Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of BAMS Radio, as we are recording here on this Tuesday night. Uh, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, now, you know what, wins uh, their SEC opener uh, and eases by the South Carolina Gamecocks, 47-23 to on the road. Uh, Nick Saban now has defeated every team in the SEC on the road by double digits. This was the final one, considering he'd only coached in Columbia one time as Alabama head coach. He had a well-documented 35-21 loss to the Stephen Garcia-led uh, Gamecocks back in 2010 when Alabama was defending their first national championship. During the salad days of one Steve Spurrier, who is now long gone from the Gamecocks, but Al- Nick Saban certainly not. He's going strong. Uh, I'm your host, Judy Armand, here with my usual cohorts, Thomas the Wizard Watts. Uh, who does a great job producing this show uh, from the port city of Mobile, and of course being a part of it, giving us his you know his uh, takes and analysis. Uh, he's outstanding uh, with uh, you know his football knowledge and of course his uh, analytics that he always brings to the table. And from uh, you know eighty nine to ninety three, a member of the Crimson Tide, a national champion, and part of the centennial uh, team at Alabama that, during the century of champions in nineteen ninety two. That's William Redfish Barger, who's joining us uh, Huntsville. We always love bringing you BAMS Radio, and we're going to bring you about an hour of conversation tonight, and there's certainly a lot going on. But, uh, William, welcome back to BAMS Radio. How are you tonight? Doing good, Drew. Glad I could join you all this week. I apologize for uh, my real job getting in the way last week, but uh, sometimes you got to keep the lights turned on. Yes, absolutely. You certainly do. Thomas has been working very hard, too, because he'll soon be Dr. Thomas Watts. Uh, and he, uh, that's not shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that knows him. Uh, but, Thomas, welcome back to the show as well. Uh, how are you doing? I know uh, this was an interesting weekend of football, Thomas. We were able to uh, carry the show last week. Now William is back. So uh, we've got the three Musketeers ready to talk Alabama football. How are you this evening? I'm pretty good, Drew. It was for for a 31 point win. I, I don't count the late the late touchdown. To be quite honest with you, there's a whole lot of consternation in the Alabama fan base. But uh, I guess when you're 58 and four since I believe 2015, that's that's going to happen. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly there's got to be something to talk about, and uh, it makes you wonder what 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 a reaction would be if they had lost the game. Because wow, I mean, then it would be I guess complete panic. I guess. Everyone would want Nick Saban to retire, but uh, Alabama was still able to, you know, handle South Carolina. You bring up the targeting call, which was Christian Barmore will now miss the first half of the Southern Miss game. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was, a, I thought he was just pressuring the quarterback. I really don't understand the rule and how they've changed it. To me, it's just absolutely uh, ridiculous. You know what, what? What? I think they've gone overboard with it. I'm anxious to get Williams' take on this. William, honestly, I think we all understand that Alabama can win this game, win it handily without Christian Barmore. He has become more important because of the injury to LeBron Ray from here in my community. Uh, the Madison native looks like he will miss a, a decent amount of time with a re-injuring his foot that he hurt during the summer. Uh, and I know I believe he had a surgical procedure then. Not sure if he's had one yet for this one. Uh, but I know they were probably going to get him rechecked out. I, you know, I talked to his high school coach on Monday night. He's been texting with him. He was down. He appreciated the support. I really think he's going to be gone for the majority of the season. I know that's what Matt Zenitz of AL.com reported. Surely, certainly we hope he's back soon and sooner than that. 
But your thoughts on targeting call, I don't really – I can't stand the rule. And then Christian Barmore, I've been impressed with Barmore. I think he's come a long way in a year as a redshirt freshman. When he got here last year, I mean, he was definitely down the totem pole, getting cursed to help by the coaching staff and needing to mature. But his role is going to expand with the loss of LeBron Ray. Yeah, and, and you know, I, the, the the targeting thing, I mean, I – I, you know, I certainly don't agree with it and certainly don't like it, but, you know, you, you, you could kind of see that he led with his head a little bit. I think if he'd have slid that to one side of, you know, Holinsky's helmet or the other versus going face-to-face, he probably, you know, would have had a better chance of getting the benefit of the doubt. But um, certainly um, doesn't negate a great play and, a, and a, you know, a great QB pressure for him. Um, you know, I, I, I struggle with, you know, not only that rule, but um, also the, you know, the horse collar rule. I've, I've seen several, you know, Alabama games this year where, you know, it looks to me if you go by the definition of the rule, there's been some, you know, some Alabama players that have been horse collared. And, and I'm not a big fan of that rule either. I mean, if, if a defender's, you know, out of position, if he stumbles, gets off balance, you know, you, you just start reaching for, you know, whatever you can outside of the face mask. And, and um, yeah, I, I just – that's not a rule that I'm a big fan of either. I don't think you put a player – player's safety in danger by tackling them by the back of the shoulder pad, you know, on the, the, the neck area. But, you know, that's, there's a lot of things in life I don't understand. Um, you know, I, I think Barmore is a kid that the staff has been very, very high on from day one. Um, I think he had to work work through some maturity issues, much in the same fashion that, you know, Raekwon Davis did when he first got there. You know, the physical skill set's been there from day one. You know, he just had a little bit of an adjustment period to, you know, college and, and, and big-time college football and, you know, certainly the academic adjustment. Um, you know, he was a, a guy that a lot of people didn't think was going to qualify academically. But, now he, he's got everything you look for in an interior defensive lineman and, you know, kind of shows the the flash and the quick twitch with, with man, the, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a staff that, that you know, over, over the last, you know, 12, 13 years, whatever it's been now, that does a better job of evaluating and, and you know, recruiting and developing defensive tackles. Um which in a lot of cases they're five technique defensive ends at some you know in some formation, but you know you, you just go right down the list and man these guys they're they're all built the same they all play the same um, you know they've got that short burst you know five yard in a box that you look for from a defensive lineman being able to change direction and, and turn their hips and um, you know, he, he's another one and I think he needs to play more. Um, you know, regardless of the injury to LeBron Ray, I, I think you've you know, got to start getting these young kids ready, um, you know, to, to you know, have a 2 deep defensive line where people don't get tired and get gassed. But, um, you know, n- not a big fan of the, you know, the targeting call. And, you know, it's not going to be, um, you know, any big loss for the first half versus Southern Miss. He'll be able to come in in the second half and get a lot more experience and some good quality reps. But, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I think Alabama fans could, you know, should should uh, you know, kind of earmark on their rosters. I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, bigger and better things from from Christian Barmore as as time goes on. 
Yeah, I really agree. I mean, I think he plays hard. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he's uh, he, he, I, he he's brought the intensity in, in every game he's played in, and really, I think he I know I think he's seen time in every game in the second half. And uh, I, you know, I'm like you. Even before the injury to LeBron, uh, you know, I was thinking that he deserves some more time. Uh, he's certainly, uh, you know, I think going to see his role and to do things the right way. Uh, certainly, Fedarian Mathis is is going to be used. Byron Young looks like Justin and Bogby uh, will be in the starting lineup. William, he was back for the first time. We we had talked about on this show him being back for South Carolina from his own foot injury. He was uh, got some quality snaps once LeBron went out. Uh, in the, you know, after about halfway through the game, uh, but your, your thoughts on uh, Justin and Boy and, and now we see this and, and we haven't as well as Nick Saban's recruited William. It's and of course a lot of this is the injuries because of LeBron Ray going down and then Alabama middle linebacker that's well documented. You had uh, certainly Dylan Moses who was a junior, maybe the best slot middle linebacker in the three. He goes down with an ACL. Then you lose the fifth-year senior who knew the playbook inside and out, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Joshua McMillan. So Alabama went from a lot of experience to two true freshmen in the middle, and now you've had D.J. Dale. We knew he was special. Uh, he's played well so far. But four true freshmen in that front seven, that's something I never thought we'd see starting for a Nick Saban defense, but here we are. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not the norm, but, you know, I think these are some, you know, especially with the guys that you mentioned, some special talent. Um, you know, to be able to, you know, let, let's go back to, you know, the spring when there weren't any real injuries. I guess Ray was sitting out in the spring with his foot injury back then. But, um, you know, Dale and Abogier, but, you know, both um, kind of established themselves, you know, right after hitting campus as early enrollees. You knew they were going to be a, you know, a big part of that D-line rotation um, this season. You know, Barmore flashed a lot in the spring. Um you know, Byron Young, who was a late arrival this summer, you know, he probably has gotten to play and gotten more reps because of injuries in front of him, but still a guy that the staff's very high on. Um, you know, it, it's just, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, injuries happen. Um, you know, the, guy, the next guy up's got to be ready to go. Certainly that's a, you know, a, a bigger challenge when you're looking at true freshmen that have never played, you know, SEC football before. Um but, you know, I, I'm certainly not hitting the panic button and I'm not upset with anything that I saw. I, I do think, um, you know, there's some things that need to be looked at and analyzed and, and maybe uh, done a little bit better. And, you know, certainly that falls on both the coaching staff and the players. You know, the, um, the players have to execute the plan that the coaches put in front of them. But, you know, when, when you look at these first three opponents that Alabama's played, and, you know, for them to be sitting, you know, at only 40th in total defense in the country right now, that's certainly not – No, nobody's going to sit there and say that Pete Golding's off to a scorching hot start as Alabama's first-year defensive coordinator. I was, you know, disappointed in the, the blitz package. Um, when they would blitz, it was a delayed blitz. It wasn't effective, and nobody ever got anywhere. Um, you know, very little pass rush from the from the speed rushers. Um you know, the, the they looked like there was some confusion and, and people out of place in the secondary at times. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are, you know, banging on 
um, uh, battle. Uh, but, yeah, man, that guy was in perfect position. Um, just mistimed his jump on that, pa- that touchdown pass. Um, you know, that's another thing. I mean, you know, to give up the, the amount of plays that they did to a true freshman quarterback is concerning. Um, they're going to see a lot better guys than that, you know, later on in the season. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, um, you, you know, you, you, you constantly have heard this through, you know, three games now. And, you know, I just don't see an issue with the offensive line as a whole. Um, you know, I think the center position, um, you know, certainly in the first half was, was the weak link, and I think it's been the weak link um, all season long so far. Um, that, that needs to be addressed. You know, there's just things happening there that, um, you know, from being out of position to bad technique to, you know, getting overwhelmed at the point of attack uh, by interior defensive linemen. But, you know, the other four guys I think are, are doing really well. Um you know, I, I like what Sarkeesian did. I've been really impressed with him um, and what he continues to, you know, the, the, the different, um, you know, layers that he continues to add on a week-to-week basis. You know, you saw the, um, you know, the running backs get more involved in the passing game. And, um, you know, he, he uh, you know, I, I think he's got so many more things up his sleeve. And you know, and again, you kind of you kind of continue to hear, you know, from the fan base. So, what about the running game? What about the running game? Well, I personally don't care about the running game. Uh, when a 15-yard gimme slants wide open every time you do it, uh, I'm going to do that till somebody makes me turn the page and go to a different play. And uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian was, you know, on the record this summer. Um, you know, when he said, if you see us not in a four wide receiver set with two in the shotgun, we're not in our best formation. So, you know, expect to see a lot more of that going forward because that's what they're successful and good at doing. So, um, and you're going to eventually see as, as they get deeper into the schedule, you know, some teams that think they've got the, you know, the nickel and dime packages to match up with these wide receivers, which they don't. And uh, they're, they're going to back some guys out of the box, and, you know, it's going to make the run game go a little bit better. But, um, yeah, I don't understand why somebody – you know, because there, there's three different facets to having a successful running game. Uh, right off the bat, um, you know, the quarterback's got to, you know, put the team in the right play. And what I mean by that is, is you know, a lot of times when they go to the line of scrimmage, it's a, it's a check with me play. And, you know, the quarterback's got an audible to the side that's got the less amount of defenders on it, you know, for the play to be successful. You can't block seven with five. So, you know, that's got to happen. Uh, you know, the offensive line has to execute the blocking schemes and the running back has to hit the hole. So, you know, it's, that, that's, it, it's not as easy as it looks and there's more things involved there than a lot of people realize. But, you know, offensively, I, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe outside of the center position, um, it might be time to start looking for another guy to, uh, uh, you know, block on the edge besides Miller Forrestal. I just don't think he's the right guy um, for that position. You know, maybe look at the, the walk-on Alvis. Um, I, you know, one of the biggest surprises of this season so far to me, Drew, and I haven't really paid a lot of attention to him as a blocker, but Major Tennyson has been a pleasant surprise to me. I was not expecting to see – you know, his emergence, um, you know, the way that it's come about. But, 
you know, those are just kind of some of the positives and negatives that, that I saw, you know, during Saturday's game. Yeah, and uh, Major did have a slight drop in the game, but you came back, made a catch, and then honestly scored a touchdown. I still don't see how the officials didn't review that. They're supposed to look at every play, including touchdowns, and it looked like his foot was inside the line, not out of bounds. It cost Alabama some points because they had to settle for a field goal. Uh, when I first saw it, I have to admit, I thought he may have stepped out, but you watch the replay and you're just sort of puzzled. It was a great individual effort uh, from Major Tennyson, who is becoming a red zone threat, which is good for Alabama because it makes you have to game plan for someone else. Uh, you know, and Forstall's had his issues. He got a really stupid penalty uh, where he was trying to seal the edge and got a face mask, which, which killed a drive for Alabama. He did catch a pass, but I agree. I, I think Giles Amos deserves more reps. He can block. He can catch. I hope he gets more playing time going forward, but it seems that Forstall is up to right now uh, at tight end. Uh, and then I agree. I think the offense is playing well. I'm not as concerned about the running game either. I think it's going to improve. I, Of course, I, the whole thing, everyone's saying down the road, down the road, down the road. You have to take it a week to week. And the thing is, uh, this week, South Carolina, or this past week, uh, was basically giving Alabama the RPO and the slant. And it's there all day. Tua made the, the right reads. They were putting six in the box. Uh, you know, and, and that's what that's the read Tua is supposed to make. They did depend on the RPO a little more this week than they had been the two previous weeks. I still think they need to expand their repertoire a little bit. I think they will. But, William, you make the best point you make, and I completely agree, is that the fans have to understand this team's going to throw to set up the run. And these screens to Najee Harris, the play of the day that he made, and these, uh, and then also these swing passes, they're basically long handoffs. And so they're basically uh, like an extension of the running game. Both the running backs that combined for over 100 yards, are, you know, uh, receiving, which is excellent. Uh, and this, they didn't really get the backs involved in the passing game last year. Sark's done a good job of that. And I do think that these two backs, I don't think they're as dynamic as Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs, uh, but they're, they're different styles. Uh, your former teammate Martin Houston was on my show this morning, and he made an interesting point. He thinks these two backs are better – uh, than their two predecessors. I don't agree with that. But he, he, I will say he thinks that the style of offense uh, and not getting 20 carries a game is why these two guys are not putting up the eye-popping numbers. He thinks they're more along the lines of it. Not that they're the same kind of back and as good as Derrick Henry, but that they need a lot of carries like Derrick needed. And as I told him, I said, well, that 2015 group, they had to have a loss before they – you know, went and and and, uh, and committed to the run and let Jake Coker come along as quarterback. But see, this is a different situation. You've got the best quarterback, in my opinion, that we've ever seen at Alabama, the best wide receiver. So if you're Sarkeesian, continue to play to your strength and play to those guys and then just continue to uh, let the running game evolve. Hopefully it will. Personally, William, I like the fact that this team is far from a finished product. Uh, I think they have a lot of room for improvement to get better. Uh, and I think uh, that should be a scary thought on both sides of the ball. I think they can improve, and I think they will if they keep working. I'm, but, I, but I agree with you, though. Uh, I think uh, that the center is the weak link offensively, and I'm going to be interested to see what they do when, uh, when Deontay Brown gets back. I, we all thought they might slide Dickerson over. It doesn't sound as likely 
But I wanted to ask you about Darian Dalcourt. He continues to get a lot of reps in practice and playing the games. Uh, I know you played the position of the offensive line. You redshirted. Is it possible that Dalcourt can end up at some point in time, maybe after Texas A&M, because I don't know if they want to throw him in the fire there, but work getting better and, and, and eventually starting this year and taking that job? You know, I would have never have thought it was possible three weeks ago, but, you know, after seeing him, you know, in the limited action that he's gotten, you know, the, the kid has great leverage. He understands angles. He, he looks – you know, those were some pretty – um, you know, they, they're not first-round draft picks, but, you know, those defensive linemen for South Carolina are going to play on Sundays. Um, so, you know, he, he got he got thrown into the fire and got his feet wet pretty good against those guys Saturday and, you know, held his own. Um, and I agree with you. I was convinced that uh, – and, and to answer your question, yeah, I, I, I don't think, you know, throwing him in there on the road in College Station versus those defensive tackles is probably the way to – ease him into the starting lineup if that's the route they choose to go. But um, he, he might be closer to being ready to get a look than I certainly thought he was. And I think he's got a bright, bright future. Um, you know, just a real nasty disposition about him. I mean, he finishes blocks and plays till the whistle blows. But I was convinced that, you know, once Deontay Brown came back that he would take over at right guard and you'd see Landon Dickerson slide into center. And you know, after listening to Coach Saban's comments after the New Mexico State game, um, you know, he was less than complimentary, I guess, is the best way of putting it, which I, I certainly didn't think he was any worse than Chris Owens. Um, but it just doesn't sound like they're sold on that idea, at least right now. Now, maybe after this past Saturday versus South Carolina, they're going to change that and maybe give it another look. But um, And I, I disagree with my old teammate, Hee Haw Houston. Um, you know, I, I think Najee and, and Brian Robinson are kind of still to be determined. I, I don't think at this stage that they're more talented um, than, the, than the guys last year. Uh, you know, out of that running back um, meeting room, I think that probably the the guy that I've seen that, that has the best chance of being comparable to one of those guys is, you know, comparing Killian Robinson to Josh Jacobs. Mm. Um, you know, he's a guy that I'd like to see get more involved, um, you know, in the offense. I mean, he hits the hole. Uh, he's explosive. He's quick. Um, you know, I think he's got a bright future. Uh, but, you know, I thought Najee and, and, and B-Rob had their best game Saturday. Um, you know, they seemed to have better vision. Um, Najee kept his feet, you know, got, got out in the open field. And, you know, to me, it, which is, is kind of bizarre, but he, he almost looks more comfortable to me um, as a wide receiver, out of the, as a receiver out of the backfield than he does being a every down running back. I don't know you know, how to put my finger on that and describe it any differently. But when you get him in the open field and he's not in traffic, um, and all of a sudden he becomes a, you know, a big, big threat. Um, but, you know, like you, I, I like what I'm seeing from this offense. Um, you know, you see new wrinkles every week. You know, that they can RPO teams and quick slant them till, till hell freezes over if they want to. But, you know, you see him trying to be creative and add, you know, add little things each week without, you know, exposing too much of his playbook. And, um, you know, I think we're going to see more and more of that. And, and you know, 
I'll take it one step further. I mean, you know, certainly I think right now if you look at the stats and, and you know, production during games, you know, Judy's the alpha dog. But, you know, those, those other guys, uh, there's three other guys that aren't far behind him um, as far as what they bring to the table. It was great seeing Devontae Smith kind of get back into a groove last week. Um, you know, all those guys, man, if you give them, a, you know, three yards, they're gone. You know, you saw Ruggs get loose again. Uh, you know, Waddle's just a, you know, a, a good block or two on punt returns from taking it to the house. And we've all seen what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands on offense. So, you know, I think there's some things to clean up, maybe a couple personnel, you know, adjustments that still might need to be made. But all in all, you know, you can't argue. I mean, with what this offense is doing, and uh, there's certainly nothing to complain about there. Um, I I like what I've seen so far. Um, You know, when you look at – I think when you look at it, you know, all the new faces up front on the offensive line, you know, uh, uh, I know he's been here before, um, had one game as the FC, but certainly a brand-new offensive coordinator. Um, You know, I think the offense has really performed well. Uh, absolutely, and I'm going to bring Thomas into the conversation and let, let him talk about the RPO, which has created a lot of conversation. Some uh, are worried about last year because they lost to Clemson, and they and they believe that you know the RPO they can't be become too dependent on on the RPO. But at the same time, Tua Tagovailoa, you know, has uh, executed at such a high level, and certainly. Uh, the, the teams change each year. Clemson, I know they're unbeaten right now, but their league is a joke, and they don't have the same defensive per- And certainly, it's a it's been several weeks down the road if Alabama gets an opportunity to play those guys. But I wanted Thomas to come in and kind of get his take on the RPO. Okay, so let's let's talk about a little bit what Mike Loxley did last year and compare it to what Steve Sarkeesian's doing this year. Loxley ran an offense that was very RPO based. Like that was the thing and he did different RPO concepts, but it was the whole run pass option thing. That was the bedrock of Loxley's offense. It worked really well up until Clemson had the defensive personnel and Tua got a little antsy, quite frankly, and had some really odd pre reads that to this day, I can't really explain. But anyway, what is an RPO? An RPO stands for a run pass option. And what you do is you create a play where the defense cannot be right because the quarterback reads what, a, what generally one defender does at the snap. So what does this mean in the context of South Carolina? Uh, CBS Sports actually did a really good job with an All-22 view explaining this, but Alabama based the RPO game off of whoever had like shallow coverage to the strong side of the formation. I don't know what their terminology is for what the position is, but the guy essentially played where you'd see a linebacker. And that guy can do one of two things at the snap. He's either going to start stepping back to drop into a zone because you'd be absolutely insane to put a linebacker on somebody like Devonte Smith, or he can take a step forward to crash the line of scrimmage. Now, the reading part of that play is where that guy goes. If he steps back into coverage, you suddenly have numbers in the box. You hand the ball off and let a running back make yards out of it. If he, excuse me, if he, 
if he goes into coverage, excuse me, I want to make sure I say that correctly because I, I can absolutely confuse myself too. If he goes towards the box, takes a step towards the box, you pull the ball out of the running back's gut and throw the slant essentially where the linebacker just vacated. So the plays where Alabama got those slants that went for, you know, 80, 45, some, some such, that play was executed properly. So if Tua, let's just say on the Henry Ruggs touchdown, Tua had handed the ball off, Alabama probably gets three or four, maybe five yards, depending on how the blocking went. I honestly didn't, I didn't look at the line beyond a certain point, but it would have been a positive play. But it also would have been the incorrect read. So it wasn't the best play. That's, that's the decision-making that Tua Tango-Vailoa makes with pre-snap trying to figure out who he's keying off of, and then post-snap with a glance at a certain player. Now, ironically, this is where the RPO game is where any reasonable fan should expect Alabama to struggle because you've got true freshman middle linebacker, true freshman will linebacker, and RPOs are, are, like I said, are designed to get you in the wrong spot. The kids are already having trouble processing it, and they then can't be right. So it's going to slow them down, and you're going to see some hiccups defensively. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about in terms of the RPO game and how both South Carolina attacked the part of Alabama's defense that is weakest to it and how Tua attacks South Carolina. Now, the other thing about Steve Sarkeesian's offense, and Tua Tungavailoa mentioned this in the postgame interview this past Saturday, is that Sarkeesian's doing a whole bunch of motions it's, it's a very similar thing to what Lane Kiffin did a few years ago. And what those motions do is twofold. One, it gives Tua a better pre-snap read of what the defense is going to do, whether it's zone or man. And particularly in the case of some of the wide receivers, it gives him a very quick outlet. You know, Tua, if you notice, is getting... Tua, if you notice, is getting the ball out generally pretty quickly. Yeah, he's still getting some shots, but it's not, you know, shotgun deep to Judy, two straight plays, and then let's just go for it on third and ten. So it's allowing Tua to get the ball out faster with those motions, and that's a little different from the Loxley offense. Overall, just to echo some comments that both you, Drew, and uh, William had, you're going to see a use of extended run game based off of those principles. Yes, you do want to see Alabama, you know, step on their face with the running game because that's what Alabama fans are used to. But for all of the wailing and gnashing of teeth, Alabama won the possession battle against South Carolina. And here's where you can kind of have some fun parsing stats. There's been a whole bunch of hand wringing how, oh, South Carolina had 459 total yards and Alabama struggled to get off the field and blah, blah, blah. Well, realize that the twos on defense gave up a chunk of those yards. You can't, it's hard to say that the twos are suddenly exactly equal to the ones, even though ironically given injuries that some of the twos are now ones. Anyway, my point is the sky's not falling. It, you know, it was, it was a 24 point win. That's a good thing. There are reasons for the way the offense attacked the South Carolina defense and that doesn't mean that it's going to magically translate over to a Texas A&M or an LSU or an Auburn, because let's again, like I said, 
If the linebackers bail, you hand the ball off. If the linebackers crash, you throw it over their head. You're not going to see a group that wants to play Alabama in press man coverage against those wide receivers. Tua Tonga Valeo will throw for 600 yards if you try and play press man against this wide receiver group. You are done if that's your defensive plan. Just straight up. I, you know, call that a hot take, but it's the absolute truth. Anyway, Drew, that that's that. I, I hope the RPO thing makes some sense to listeners now, so that when they see it, they know that's why things are happening, not just because Tua wants to throw for a thousand yards a game. Yeah, I, I mean, trust me, as we know, uh, you know, it, it's it's created conversation because uh, people want to see more of a traditional running game, uh, and there were if Alabama had gone fifteen and zero last year, they'd just be on status quo, keep it rolling, but. You had people calling out Sark, which I think was completely idiotic on Twitter during the game, saying, run the football. Why aren't you trying to run? They had 571 yards, all right? And so I predicted 550. I think Sark's done just fine with the offense. He's going to continue to add to it. They've got a lot of talent. I think they're getting a lot of guys' touches. Uh, And uh, to me, I really – I just enjoy watching Tua and these receivers go to work. And plus, with all this youth on defense, you're going to have to score points. So I, I made the statement when Alabama was having trouble stopping South Carolina. And I know he's just a freshman, and William made reference to that. But I really like Alinsky. I think he's a really good young player. I think he can help South Carolina have a pretty decent season. You know, they're far from a powerhouse football team. But I think he is better than Jake Bentley. He would have beaten North Carolina if he'd been in the lineup. But I think this Alabama team, they've just got to continue to – Hopefully stay healthy on offense. Defensively, they haven't had much luck. But stay healthy on offense and just score points. Because, William, I think the best – I still think the best remedy for this defense is to get reps. They need to get off the field now because I think the thing that concerned me the most was the stupid penalties. Some of that can be attributed to youth, the false starts and things. But, you know, this defense, they need to be able to play with a lead, but yet, you know, cut out the penalties and get off the field because – uh, I know Coach Saban made reference that they, they didn't have enough guys to play 86 snaps, but a lot of the 86 snaps was the penalties and then not getting off the field when they had to had a chance to on a third down. And one of those penalties even wiped out an interception by Patrick Sertain. Yeah, and, and you know, the, there's a couple other things while you and Thomas were both talking that, um, that kind of came to my mind when you were talking about, you know, people being critical of Sarkeesian. You know, I, I had two hopes – for the quarterback position uh, going into this season. You know, one, I didn't want to see Tua running the football uh, yes. near as much as he did last year. Yes. Uh, so so that, that, that need's been met in my book already. Um, and, and, two, I wanted to see if Mac Jones, you know, could take that next step in his development. He's starting to look very comfortable. Um, you know, when he gets in there, the you know the offense doesn't bog down because of just him. Um, you know, he's he's starting to make some plays and become more consistent, and and certainly he'll get a chance this weekend, hopefully to to you know get even more reps. So I, I'm very pleased. Um, you know, when you you talk about, you know, and, and you know he's he, certainly Sarkeesian's not the lone, uh, you know, quarterback coach back there. You've got the you know, the former head coach and, and college quarterback, of the, you know, at, at uh, Texas and Major Applewhite. And uh, also, and I, the guy's name escapes me, but the guy that was the OC at, at Toledo last year under Tommy, I mean, uh, Terry Bowden. Um, 
but you know, I, I just don't understand how anybody could be critical of. Um, you know, you, only at Alabama could you have a, a generational talent at quarterback and the best wide receiver core in the history of the program, and people are screaming for a three yards in a cloud of dust offense. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, talking about going back to the defense for a minute, you know, I think there's a couple of interesting things sort of developing there. You know, it, it looked to me like maybe Christian Harris hit a wall mm-hmm. um, mentally versus South Carolina. You know, you saw them substitute Cahoe in there. Um, it it kind of looks like that role has shifted a little bit. You know, maybe versus Duke, you kind of thought, you know, Harris was a little bit ahead of Shane Lee, and now it appears like Lee is a little bit ahead in his development. Um, you know, and he still needs to improve, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, you know, certainly I think the, you know, the lack of pass, the pass rush, um, you know, from from uh, Terrell Lewis and, you know, at times Anthony Jennings, those edge guys, um, is, is something that, that's kind of a head-scratcher, at least up to this point. But, um, you, you know, this defense is, is, you know, full of youth, full of inexperience. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of challenges that, that the coaching staff have to overcome with, with having, you know, so many young guys out there. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, maybe just against South Carolina, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be hypercritical of the, the freshman inside linebackers. It, it is what it is, but – um, you know, I was a little bit disappointed in, in some of the dinking and dunking that they got away with on the secondary. There were some bad angles and, you know, poor tackling after the catch that went on. Uh, but, you know, that's that's why you practice five days a week and play the games on Saturday. You know, if, if we're still having this conversation, you know, deep into November, th- then all of a sudden it becomes a, you know, a real issue versus just a talking point. But, um, you know, let, let's let the season play out, you know, for the end of September. And, you know, the competition's going to get a little bit stiffer in the next couple of weeks. You know, I think that's a, um, you, you know, from what I've seen so far out of Texas A&M, um, they're probably not as big of a threat to Alabama as maybe I thought they would be back in August. You know, Kellen Mond's been real heckle. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde at quarterback. Um, you know, they do have some very talented players um, on their front seven on defense. But, you know, I, I just don't know if, if they can, you know, get into a scoring contest with, with, with Tua and the wide receivers. But um, I don't understand all the teeth gnashing and all the criticism. I mean, it's, you know, the third game. Um, they're going to get better. Um, so, you know, just, just sit back and enjoy it. I mean, it's – it's uh, you know, these things, these, these Saturdays are supposed to be, I mean, it's my favorite time of the year. I mean, uh, I don't know how somebody can lose their minds on Twitter during a college football game, just, uh, you know, especially over a road win like that and in a pretty tough place to play. Um, we played up there my senior year in 93 against Steve Tannehill. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I was ready yep. to, I was ready. I was ready to choke slam whoever the guy is in the press box that hits that damn rooster call button after <laughs> every play. I mean, it's it, it, it's a, it's you know, it, um, you know they've spent a lot of money up there and, and probably have, I would say after Alabama, Texas A and M, and Tennessee, probably top to bottom, you know, top five facilities now. Just built a huge indoor football complex. I mean, an indoor practice facility new football complex, the atmosphere in Williams-Brice. Even back when South Carolina wasn't in the SEC and was kind of a, 
you know, a doormat. Um, you know, they they show up and, and, you know, support their team. So, you know, it's not like they went to Nashville and played a, uh, uh, you know, a half-empty stadium in front of 30,000 people. That's a tough place to play. And, you know, South Carolina did just enough to, you know, keep the fans interested and, and you know, I'm engaged in the game and, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, for Nick Saban, um, you know, that was a demon that was exercised, exercised, excuse me. Um, you know, after the, the lackadaisical performance up there in 2010. Yeah. And I think obviously, uh, this defense has got to improve. Like you said, William, there was some, they both, both the inside linebackers struggled a little bit. When you have two true freshmen, that's going to happen. That's why this offense needs to score points. I said, you know, near the end of the half, I told my friends I was watching the game with, they were going to, they would, Alabama needed to score 45 to feel comfortable. Uh, this is a Carolina offense that was playing pretty well. You're going to get their best shot. Kid made several, four or five throws. You just had to tip your hat to. And so you just have to, two just had to be as sharp as he was, and he was outstanding. Uh, I thought the offensive plan was good as well. I don't, I don't gnash too many teeth over the uh, running game. I think that'll come together again when they when they settle on the offensive line as well. Because I just remember the impact Deontay Brown had last year. I may be overstating it, but I do think he's going to really help there uh, by the time they get to Ole Miss. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and continue to monitor that. I think this offense is on the right track defensively. I do worry a little bit, uh, you know, because of so much youth. And then they have a youthful defensive coordinator in Pete Golding, who this is his first full year coordinating this defense. A lot of new coaches <clears throat> on that side. Sal Sanceri is comforting to have back. Like you said, we didn't see too much out of Terrell Lewis, but I do think he kind of tweaked his knee and he didn't practice today, or at least didn't. Uh, they probably gave him the day off. They're not going to push him. But I do think he'll continue to get better. And then Jennings, he did have a huge strip sack, which is one of the defensive plays of the game and got one of the game balls from the coaching staff. He's he, he's going to continue to, I, I think, uh, be a difference maker. Uh, I just, you know, I and again, I think the tackling will get better. Uh, you know, I, I agree. It's just the third game. Uh, the secondary did have a couple. It was really wide open. Uh, I still think they were solid. They just have to continue to improve and get better. What they need to do is these middle, these inside linebackers have to continue to get more and more comfortable. And then hopefully Shy Carter, who had an uncharacteristically poor game, he's a fifth, he's a senior, he's a guy that's played a ton of football. For last year he kind of played poorly against Arkansas, and then I thought played at a very high level for the rest of the year. He's a film junkie. I think he'll bounce back. I just think the main thing is this, they need to, to stay healthy with the guys they have now, and these middle linebackers need to improve. If they do – I think this team can still be very good. And if it wasn't for some dubious officiating and a perfect throw or two, they could have held South Carolina in the team. So it wasn't as bad a performance as people, you know, try to make it out to be. And football is you're going to give up yards. It's mainly how many points you give up. And I thought Alabama played well in the red zone, which is something encouraging. And William, I, but I've got to say this, the, th- the area that was probably the biggest disaster, and luckily this Alabama offense is so good, they shouldn't have to do it a lot, but that 14-yard punt's not going to cut it. I'm going to be interested to see. It looks like DeLong has not progressed if Will Reichert ends up taking over all kicking duties. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, you know, you know, if, if, you know if, if, if they both got the same leg, and I don't even know if they do or not, you know, you, you go with the guy that's the most consistent and, 
you know, I'm not a, a guy that's going to want to fire somebody for, you know, a, a periodic shank or, you know, certainly not a periodic missed field goal or even an extra point. Now, if it becomes an issue like it did last year in the, the kicking game, that's that's a different animal. But, um, you know, and, and like you said, Drew, I, I think that, um, you know, this team has a chance to get better. You, you know, you've got so many new players on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, the offensive line still hasn't gelled yet, and I do think that, that getting Deontay Brown back will be a, a huge addition. Um, you know, the defense just has to continue to try and, you know, play assignment football and, um, you know, improve each week and get more comfortable in their roles. And, you know, they got to, you know, develop guys. I mean, I like seeing, uh, you know, I don't like the fact that it looked that, you know, Harris hit a wall, but you know, I like the fact that Cahoe got in there and, you know, got got some reps with the ones, and um, you know, you saw some some other guys get back there. I mean, you see, I, I've seen a lot of criticism this week, you know, directed at, at Jordan Battle, and, and I don't understand that. Um, you know, how, how many times, you know, in his first two years of, of you know getting on the field, did we see Marlon Humphrey, um, you know, get torched? So, and that certainly wasn't getting torched. I mean, he just missed time to jump and on, on a very, very well-thrown football. Like you said, I mean, some of those throws that Helensky made, you just have to tip your hat and move on. And that's all you can do. Um, but, you know, all in all, I thought it was a really solid performance. Um, you know, they, they've got to, you know, get ready and, and try and get better this weekend against Southern Miss. Um, I know those players are – um, kind of probably looking forward not to the 11 a.m. start. No, no players look forward to getting that 5 a.m. wake-up call. But um, mm. you know, it's, it looks like the weather is going to you know break a little bit and be you know a little bit cooler than what they've been accustomed to so far. So you know, it should be a good atmosphere Saturday. And you know, kind of looking forward to um, as a fan. You know, certainly the players aren't looking forward to it, but you know, looking forward to getting up and having some brunch and being able to turn on Alabama football early Saturday. Well, and uh, before I get Thomas's take on the defense, William, you played against Southern Miss. This is a series that's been a, 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 a one with an extensive history with Alabama and the Golden Eagles. Uh, Southern Miss, you know, has beaten Alabama on more than one occasion. And when they was really the salad days, they, they played nearly every year when you were, a member of the uh, Crimson Tide. Of course, in 1990, everybody remembers that game with Brett Favre and the uh, the injuries Alabama incurred. Uh, it, it's not the same program due to you know coaching changes and the and the uh, Power Five emerging and the conferences changing and the landscape and the re, the birth of UAB South Alabama. There's been a lot of programs that have uh, in, have have surged and then come along. It's kind of eroded their talent base, but still, this is a thing where Last week, Southern Miss scored 47 on uh, Troy, who's, uh, you know, a good mid-major team who's beaten LSU and shocked some people in the last few years. Uh, it's always interesting. The Alabama should win this game handily, but Southern Miss, they, they, this is, they're always they, – they've been a long-time rival of the Crimson Tide, or at least opponent. Oh, sure. And, and you know, they're, they're not the program that they were, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, you know, I think that that program, you know, kind of got mismanaged for for probably a decade. Uh, may have cut ties with Jeff Bauer too soon. Um, you know, that guy did a great job. Um, you know, and going all the way back to the '80s, you know, they 
they made a living coming into Alabama and Louisiana and uh, Texas and, and, you know, getting left leftover players and diamonds in the rough that the big schools either couldn't take because of numbers or uh, didn't evaluate properly. And, you know, they, they used to put out some really, really good football players. And, um, you know, that's not the case anymore. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, they, they might put up a, you know, a, a fight for a half. I doubt it. But um, this, this isn't the Golden Eagles, you know, of the, the, the from, from 85 to 95. Um, it's, you know, a, a legitimate threat to, you know, beat, you know, the, the Alabamas, the Auburns, the FSUs like they used to do on a halfway regular basis back in that time period. Um, you know, they just haven't been able to um, – you know, keep that recruiting effort up. And, um, you know, certainly the lack of success that the program has, I'm sure, has, has hindered that as well. And, you know, maybe some bad coaching hires too. But, um, you know, this isn't the same Southern Miss that you saw um, when they would trot, you know, a Reggie Collier or a Brett Favre and, you know, some of those great, uh, you know, a guy that, you know, went to my high school, T.J. Slaughter, who ended up being a, a, you know, a great, great college linebacker and a great NFL linebacker as well. Um, that Alabama and Auburn just totally whiffed on. So you, you just don't see that happening, you know, on an annual basis like it used to. So they, they just don't have the the Jimmys and Joes like they used to. And, Thomas, your thoughts on, on where Alabama is defensively? Well, overall, I think it's fair. I think the only criticism that I've seen that I think has a lot of merit is early concern about Alabama's struggles to generate pressure organically with a four-man rush. Terrell Lewis has flashed some. Uh, Inferny Jennings has flashed some. Uh, Raquan Davis, I think, is having a decent season, but it hasn't really translated, at least based on my perception. I admit I haven't checked pressure percentages in this case. I haven't looked at that statistic, so shame on the statistician to say that on a broadcast. But that to me is the only thing that's even slightly alarming and a lot of stuff that I had, I had many, several conversations and several observations where Alabama seemed to step slow this past Saturday. And part of that is, you know, Alabama wants to try and dictate what the offense does on defense, but it's really hard to do when key components are confused you know, Trayvon Diggs had to yell at Ollie Cahoe to get in the right spot because Cahoe was confused. And Cahoe was only in the game because Christian Harris was confused. So a well, you know, defense has to be a well-oiled machine. And as more and more parts get interchanged due to injury or, you know, whatever reason, it's going to slow down. So, you know, I had someone ask me, where are the, the weirder blitz packages? And you did see, you know, Shy Carter blitz a little bit. You saw a little bit of that stuff. But it's not been, you know, the defense itself hasn't been solid enough to justify it all the time. And I believe Nick Saban said it best. You can allow a 75-yard touchdown pass, which as middling as South Carolina is, if a 75-yard touchdown pass would have actually happened, like let's say halfway through the second quarter because Alabama blitzed, that stadium explodes South Carolina gets the ball coming out of the half and suddenly everything gets a little, everyone's, you know, Heine starts puckering a little bit on the Alabama side. So I, I think, you know, these guys, they, they are going to need to evolve. They have time to evolve. I don't think that you're going to see the 2011 Alabama Crimson Tide 
defense come back anytime soon because it's just too difficult with the offensive lineman being allowed to block three yards downfield rule. If put it to you this way, Drew, if I was Lord High Admiral of college football for today, the first <laughs> thing I would do is change the three yard downfield blocking rule to the NFL's one yard and make it a point of emphasis because that's one of the few times in college football I feel like the rule, because of that rule, defense can't be right. And yes, it does give teams with lesser talent a chance to score some points so everybody's happy and everybody's involved. But to me, you're trending much further into not fair territory because it's virtually impossible to be right at any decent percentage of the time. And that just isn't fun to me as somebody who understands some of the stuff that people want to do on defense. But going back to the Alabama defense, it's going to happen. And the only thing that I want to see is continued growth in terms of generation of organic pressure. And barring that, if Alabama starts to blitz more that actually is a good thing because that means upstream of that choice to blitz Pete Golding, Nick Saban and the defensive staff is much more comfortable with the now four or maybe five true freshmen that are going to see significant, meaningful snaps moving forward this season. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting, no doubt about it uh, to see, you know, where, where this defense goes and how much more confidence that can be gained. And I'm, I'm, I want to see the young guys. I want to see a boy be, Byron Young, even Fedarian Mathis, who's had some moments early, uh, continue to get more reps. Certainly, you want LeBron Ray back, and you know I, I would imagine he's going to have to have surgery and then be out a while. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see some of these other young guys and see how they play and see what they can do this weekend. There's no doubt about it. I think Alabama's going to win this game in a rout. I think it'll be over by halftime, but. Uh, they're going to play a lot of young players, and we'll get a chance to see many of these guys. And hey, William, one young player that really impressed me—he made a big tackle on special teams. They ran him in the Wildcats, so they put that on tape. I've heard that Steve Sarkeesian loves this kid. His role won't be a bigger one until next year, but he had a big catch from Mac Jones to help Alabama score points, their last points of the game. I thought uh, I liked the fact that Slade Bolden got involved this weekend, past weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Drew, because he he's a guy that you know I've been hearing about for a while, and you know he's having to wait his turn, unfortunately. Um, but but I agree. I mean, uh, I think he's a guy that um, you know starting to make his presence felt on special teams. He had the nice moment with Mac Jones, and uh, you know I think he could have a you know maybe maybe not this year, but next year he could have a big role. Um, you know, in that offense, and, uh, you know, maybe he becomes uh, Alabama's version of Hunter Renfro. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I think he's probably a better overall athlete, um, you know, than Hunter Renfro. But um, I, I totally agree. I, I thought that, uh, um, you know, it was good to see him, you know, have a couple of moments there Saturday. And, you know, there's there's a lot of other guys on that roster that, that could, you know, we could be talking about in the next couple of weeks that just haven't gotten their opportunity yet. Uh, but yeah, it was good to see that he, he does seem to have some explosiveness and uh, you know certainly hustles and um, you know I, I think he'll get you know more of an opportunity based on what you saw out of him Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he's earning more time and 
Uh, I, I personally didn't mind them putting that on tape uh, with him in the Wildcat because it gives you something else uh, to have to deal with. And he could eventually even try to throw football. He was a high school quarterback, so that's another little gadget uh, that Alabama could use, uh, no question about it. And uh, and the thing that I was encouraged by, Jerry Judy, we know how good he is. He's the Blitnikoff Award winner. He had gotten off to a very strong start the first two weeks. He was, quote-unquote, held the six catches for 68 yards. But we saw Devontae Smith really assert himself, uh, having a big day, uh, you know, uh, with the uh, well over 100 yards uh, receiving. Uh, do, and uh, he, he was really the, uh, I, I thought, besides uh, uh, to, uh, for delivering the football, the MVP on offense. He had a, two touchdowns, 136 yards on eight catches. Henry Ruggs, six catches for 122 in that long 81-yard TD. Uh, he's so explosive. Uh, this is just a, a wide receiver group without a weakness. Jalen Watt only had one catch, but he certainly will have brighter moments down the road uh, as Alabama. And that, that's what I love about, too. He spreads the ball around. It's very difficult. He just kind of – I really think he's been taking what the defense gives you, and that's a huge key because I think he's showing patience this year and maturity, and I think that means the rest of college football is going to be in trouble. The only thing we'll stop to at Tungvaloa is if he's not healthy. If he's healthy, I don't think Georgia can stop him either. I know that everyone's uh, right now, uh, uh, you know, uh, lauding Georgia and, and saying they're so much more, more physical than Alabama. We'll see how they uh, they all they, both these teams develop because injuries could play a t- part uh, down the stretch, and certainly Alabama's going to have to get better against the run. That was the one thing that kind of bothered me is, but I think a lot of that had to do with, as William has stated, the, the middle linebackers hitting a wall. They're going to have to get better in their run fits, and I think Nick Saban knows that. I, I will say this, though. Uh, William, how concerned are you about Pete Golding? I, I, I said he was coming into the season. He was a pressure point because he's a young coordinator. He'd never done it until this year as a solo DC. I know he took over for Tosh last year. He still wasn't the coordinator in title, but uh, what, 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 what else do we need to see out of Pete Golding going forward? I, I, I don't, you know, and I just mentioned that. I mean, it's, you know, we can't sit here and, and uh, you know, not have something to bring up as talking points. There's certainly, you know, some issues that need to be addressed and improved upon. But I, I think really um, I have to agree with Thomas. Um, you know, I think generating a, you know, of course, you'd love to see the front four be able to generate, um, you know, a, a pass rush and that rabbit package. Um you know, without any help from the back end. But, you know, to me, I think the the thing that I want to see from, from Pete is, you know, just some better blitz packages. You know, if you can't generate it with the front four, um, you know, it's got to come from somewhere. Um, and, it, and it doesn't have to be sacks. You know, that that's, you know, one of the things that you hear Coach Saban harping on all the time. It's affecting the quarterback and, uh, you know, making him move his feet, making him move around in the pocket, making him uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I'd like to see, um, you know, some more creative blitz packages. You know, those delayed blitzes were totally ineffective. And, um, you know, the guys never got there. Um, you know, and again, um, I'd like to see, you know, incremental improvement, uh, you know, maybe by, uh, you know, the middle of October. You know, let's see them, you know, somewhere between 30 and 20th in total defense. Um, it's not like they're going to be playing a you know an explosive offensive team between now and then. 
Um, possibly, you know, Texas A&M catches fire. I'll believe that when I see it. I just, I just think that so far this year, and of course, we'll probably look like Johnny Menzel. Uh, but, you know, Mon's been real up and down. Um, don't know how much of a supporting cast he has. But, um, you know, I'm not calling for Pete Golding's head. I don't want anybody to think that. Um, but just, you know, I'd like to see some incremental improvement and, and specifically with, you know, the, the, generation, the generation of a pass rush by the front four. Um, you know, if that's not getting the job done, just, just some more creative blitzes. I mean, if you watch Clemson play, um, you know, Brent Venerables is one of the best in the game at situational blitzes and bringing pressure from where you don't think it's going to come from. And, you know, I'm not asking Pete Golding to start plagiarizing Brent Venerables' blitz package, but, you know, I think there could be a little bit more creativity in that aspect of it. Yeah, I'm anxious to see, you know, what tweaks they make. And uh, I, I think they uh, – I, I personally think, like the fact that they've got uh, upside to get better and hopefully some of these young players, the young defensive linemen, the, the middle linebackers will continue to do so. Uh, and <clears throat> I know he didn't have – I already mentioned he didn't make a huge impact, but I think Terrell Lewis, he had a scare and he didn't practice today. But I do think he's going to be okay. I, that, that's what I'm hearing. And – I, he had a sack against Duke and had some made some plays against New Mexico State. I'm anxious to see him bounce back and be more active against Southern Mississippi. Hopefully, he's going to continue to get more and more comfortable, and we're going to see more and more production. But certainly, Alabama has got a chance over the next couple of weeks against Southern Miss and then Ole Miss uh, to work out kinks before they go to Texas A&M. That's still should probably going to be a, a test because uh, I'm anxious to see how they play against Auburn this weekend. Uh, but even, you know, I, I, and I, and I like them by about a field goal over the Tigers, but if they can win that game, it'll certainly be a stern test, a great crowd and a great environment uh, for these young guys at Alabama to, you know, to be tested. And, uh, hopefully, uh, offensively, I, I still think they can move the ball on and main and I think is good on defense. Not great. I know they held uh, Clemson to 24 points, but quite frank Clemson and Trevor Lawrence has been underwhelming so far too. Clemson has not played. Uh, that tough a schedule either besides A&M, and that was a competitive game, and yet, as you said, Kellen Mond did not play well, so that's going to be, you know, a storyline to watch going forward, and I will say the one blitz that did get there early in the game uh, was Jordan Battle. I know he took some heat for that coverage, but it was perfect. He just mistimed his jump. Battle looks like he's going to continue to play more and more with William uh, and take on a big role as a true hitch. He's another true freshman that's really impressed. But uh, I like what I've seen so far from the young man. Absolutely. And, and before I start my love fast with Jordan Battle, you bring up a great point. Yeah. Um, you know, right after the um, Alabama Southern Miss game, um, it, isn't A&M uh, Auburn the 230 game? It is 230 CBS. Yeah. yeah so, you know, we'll, we'll get a pretty good, you know, barometer of how good both those teams are. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward more to that than I am Alabama versus Southern Miss. But, I mean, I, I just think Jordan Battle, the sky's the limit for that kid. I mean, just got ridiculous length um, and size for a guy that can run that fast and, and have the hips to play coverage back there. Um, you know, a, a, a guy that, you know, has, has already made his presence felt. Uh, like you said, that's – just ridiculous for somebody to be hypercritical of him this time and his jump on that, that touchdown pass. 
Um, you know, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. You can do so many things with him. You know, wouldn't surprise me uh, by this time next year if, if you don't see him lined up at inside linebacker in some some uh, dime packages because uh, because he is going to be physical enough to sit in there and drop into coverage. But um, I, I think he was a huge pickup in last year's recruiting class. Um, you know, didn't get a lot of the the hype that a lot of other kids did, but um, you know, I think he's been a huge addition to the secondary. You see how quickly he's gotten on the field, and that's just going to increase as time goes on. Well, William, uh, we're wrapping it up the last few minutes, this uh, episode of Bams Radio. I know uh, nothing has happened officially, but to talk a little recruiting at the end, it, it, there certainly seems to be more and more buzz being generated about uh, Bryce Young, the quarterback from modern day in California. They pulled the number one team in the country. They played the number two team in the country uh, on the campus of St. John Bosco, who happens to be the number three team in the country. <laughs> But that was considered a neutral field as they took on St. Francis out of Baltimore. Of course, the alma mater of one former Alabama player, Yabi Anoma, but current guys like Darian Dalcourt uh, and uh, Chris Braswell is committed as well. Treshawn Holden has, has attended that school at one time. So uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Alabama guys from St. Francis Academy, no doubt about it. Uh, Shane Lee as well. Uh, but uh, Bryce Young, it looks like the, the, the more and more. And I've been thinking this for a couple of months that it look, that he might uh, end up flipping to the University of Alabama in the near future. In your mind, uh, he's considered one of the best quarterbacks in the country. We we all believe Tua Tagovailoa, if he continues to do what he's doing, could uh, you know uh, move on to the NFL after the season. What kind of addition would Bryce Young be to this recruiting class? Well, I mean, we've talked about it on the show since the summer. I mean, it, Alabama's in very good position with him. Um, I would be a little bit surprised, um, you know, if you see him go ahead and do the public flip, um, despite some things that have gone on behind the scenes with him in Alabama. Um, I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised based on some things that I've been told about his family situation out in California, um, you know, if he goes public. Um, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Would love it if it happens, um, but I, I just would be a little bit surprised there. I do expect him to end up at Alabama when it's all said and done. Um, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, they, they throw around the, the Russell Wilson, the Kyler Murray comparisons with him. You know, some people have been critical because he's got an elongated release and holds the ball too low, and but, but he does have a quick release. Um, he gets rid of the ball, you know, can make all the throws. Um, you know, if the pocket breaks down, he's he's certainly a run threat. Um, you know, I, I think he's probably going to be Alabama's quarterback, uh, you know, in this, this 2020 recruiting class, and it'll be a huge pickup. I think Steve Sarkeesian has, you know, targeted him from day one. Uh, certainly got some, you know, relationships and home cooking going on out there at Mouter Day that, that helps out in that aspect, but – um, yeah, Alabama's going to continue to recruit well. They're still in on a lot of big-time players. Um, you know, it's it's going to be fun to, you know, watch this thing as the season unfolds and, and you know, they get going down the stretch of December and January. So, um, you know, maybe I'm disagreeing slightly, Drew. I, I don't think it's going to happen soon, but it certainly could. But but I do think that um, – I almost called him Kyler Murray. <laughs> I do think that Bryce Young is going to be a part uh. of this Alabama recruiting class. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened within the next uh, 
week or two. They're on a bye right now. And I think Alabama kind of wants – and I agree with you about the, the family situation. They do have to handle it delicately. But I do think with the loss for USC uh, on the road it's at, at uh, BYU, we know Clay Helton's on the hot seat. And I think it would help Alabama in the recruiting of Eric Gilbert and uh, maybe one more dynamic wide receiver. Certainly I thought it was interesting. Treshawn Holden's now eligible at Narbonne in California. And uh, he tweeted something that we could be in, uh, you know, uh, it could be, uh, if you look, if, you, if you're reading between the lines that he thinks Bryce Young is going to be at Alabama. And he had eight or nine catches last week. Uh, so he's starting to assert himself. But certainly I think it would help this Alabama class, especially offensively, uh, to finish off strong. I personally, uh, we'll see what happens with Zach Evans. I like Kyle Edwards. He had another. He had his first hundred yard game this past week. Uh, he's uh, he's a I think a hell of a back out of Destrehan. Uh, they've also got Roy Dell Williams, who I, I think William and I agree, we both agree is a five star guy. Uh, so I think they they've got their backs. I'm not as concerned about that. I just would like to see him get Eric Gilbert, who would be in a need position, add some explosiveness back to that tight end spot. Uh, and certainly they need to bring in some wide receivers due to the fact that this group we've this is the best we've ever seen. Most of these guys are very soon going to be in the NFL, and you can't blame them. Got a chance. Certainly we believe Judy and Ruggs are going to be first-round picks. And if Tay Smith keeps playing this way, uh, he, his stock will continue to improve also. So that would be huge, no doubt, for the University of Alabama to get Bryce Young, who is mobile. He had a – for 100 yards rushing last week against St. Francis, threw for 247. Uh, and as William said, he does have a quick release. I've watched his film, very accurate passer. And it would be a hell – and Mac Jones is improving. I, I got. I want to go back and agree with William on that. It would be a hell of an, an interesting battle. You would have Mac Jones back and then two young guys like a redshirt freshman in Talia Tungo-Vailoa. I, I hate to discount Paul Tyson. I just don't think he has the talent of the others. But then Bryce Young, you throw him in there. He's going to be an early enrollee. That's been confirmed by Greg Biggins, who is all over California for 24-7 sports. So he would be enrolling early and battling with those other two with a chance to, to win the job as a true freshman, no question about it. And he's a special talent. And I think Steve Sarkeesian, while he, he may not be considered the, the play caller of Elaine Kiffin and the schemer, I think he's a hell of a quarterback's coach and a great recruiter. And he's done a really solid job with this Alabama offense thus far uh, as uh, they've gotten off to a, a really strong start. But I, I want to wrap it up here. We'll, we'll be coming to you next week after the Crimson Tide, hopefully roll over the Southern Golden Eagles, get out of there with no injuries, and then get ready for the Ole Miss Rebels. It will be four games in, so we may be talking about Deontay Brown being back in the lineup on the, on the, along the offensive line. We'll have William break that down. As we know, Cornbread made a big impact last year with when he was in the lineup, when he was out, I think there was a big difference in the running game. So anxious to see what kind of impact he could have. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what we saw against Al- with Alabama. So there's, and, of course, as William said, these interesting matchups. You've got Auburn traveling to College Station. We'll see how good those teams are. And then the great Kirby Freeze, I mean, Smart, will be taking on Notre Dame. We'll see if Georgia is really as good as everybody says. Are they a runaway train, and are they really – uh, maybe uh, uh, are they going to have a chance to play for a national championship? They'll go a long way in Athens against Notre Dame as far as seeing that. We'll see how good both of those teams are as well. And that'll be something we'll be breaking down on BAM's radio next week. For Thomas Watts, does a great job behind the curtain. The Wizard for William Redfish Barger. I'm Drew Armand. 
Good night, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this edition of BAMS Radio. If we recapped Alabama, whitewashing South Carolina 47-23 on BAMS Radio tonight, and we'll talk to you next week. Roll Tide.